Welcome to episode three of the Misaligned Podcast. I am here with my lovely co-hosts, Caitlin and Ashley, as usual. Hello. And today we have another album to discuss as well as a couple articles, and then we will head into some recommendations of what we've been either binge-watching, listening to, reading over the last two weeks since you guys last heard from us. So now I will send it over to Caitlin to start our discussion of Disgusting by Beartooth, which was Ashley's pick. So this was an album and band that I had never heard of before. Um, Definitely, you know, Ashley gave us a little bit of a warning. It was more (laughs) more of a scene kid album. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but I did check out Beartooth's album Disgusting on Spotify. And um, it's definitely out of my comfort zone. (laughs) So we do have some questions for Ashley about the album. So Deanna and I are just going to hang back, listen, learn a little bit, and maybe y'all can catch some new information too. So Ashley, when did you first hear this beautiful album? (laughs) <laughs> well, first of all, uh, thanks to Deanna and Caitlin for suffering through the listening of this record. <laughs> I know it's, you know, a little out there. I'm a total scene kid. I have no shame in it. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for bearing with me here. Um, I first heard Disgusting last year. So summer 2014. It was on its release day. It was in June, June 10th, I think it was. Uh, I was at my summer internship. It was a shitty office. It was really hot. Um, all the interns are kind of crammed into this one bullpen space, and it's just, I wasn't liking the internship to begin with, so I just wasn't in a great mood. But again, this is back when music, back in the day, when music was still released on Tuesdays, so <laughs> coming into like New Music Tuesdays was like an exciting thing to get me through the day. So I love this album from the first track, like the first time I heard it, which is kind of rare. I feel like that doesn't happen a lot of times that like a record has to grow on me, but. I think that positive first impression I had was a really big part in why I chose this album because it means like so much to me now. I think I got a little further into the album than Caitlin did, yes. but yes, not you did. by a whole lot. It's <laughs> definitely something that reminded me of a band like the ones I was working with over at Fearless when I interned there, kind of like a Pierce yep. the Veil kind of vibe. <laughs> which is totally not my thing, even though I really enjoyed working at Fearless because at the time that you know they were kind of split. They had those kind of bands and then they would have like a go radio kind of band or something. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people like these types of bands. So now I just want to know what is your favorite song on the album? My favorite song is absolutely hands down body bag, which is track number three. Uh, It's lyrically really important to me. The message at the, the beginning of the track is my life, my decision. And it's kind of like the core of the song and it seems like a very basic phrase, but I, I don't know. It, it just stuck with me. I think it's just really important, and I'm a sucker for those two-step beats, and that song is, like, two-step central, so... I'll like, admit, I am. I have a soft spot for those two-step beats I as well. I love them! Oh, my God! I am <laughs> such a 2007 MySpace scene queen, and I'm not sorry about it. Um, I also drove to and from Syracuse a couple times between April and May. Like, I graduated in December. I graduated early. And I had to go back, you know, for a bunch of, like, school-related stuff. And it's a four- or five-hour drive, and it's, like, you know, kind of a tedious drive. And I listened to this album a lot, but even when I was just shuffling through playlists, I would always go back to this song, and they closed with it at South By, and it was just insanity. I love this song so much. 
Well, that being, you know, you said 2007 MySpace scene queen. Um, I Actually, I was really surprised to see that it came out in 2014 when I after I did listen to that first song because it just reminded me of a lot of music from then. So this well, question... Well, that makes sense. That makes sense because yeah. it's like of where the band kind of originated from. Like Caleb came from Attack Attack and then you got people from City Lights and kind yeah. of like that era of music kind yeah. of brought into 2014-ish, I guess. So that makes sense that you would say that. So, you know, the question, why or how does this album still hold up today, hasn't been out that long in comparison no. to some of the other albums we're going to, you know, discuss. But now that you've, you know, graduated college, like, <laughs> does that change anything or is it still that same meaning? Yeah, I mean, it's barely been a year, so it's kind of hard to tell. And I think that my connection, even though it was really immediate, it was also really personal. So I don't know if, like, I don't want to be super biased about answering this question. But, I mean, just look at Beartooth's touring resume. And considering this is pretty much their only major release, they had an EP out uh, summer 2013. I think it was up for free download about exactly a year before Disgusting came out. So they don't have much to tour on, but they've like been on Warp Tour, like they've gone international. They're slaying it. Like they toured with the Banna. They're just they've been everywhere. So I think to me that's a clear sign that the album is being well received, and hopefully the next release will do just as well. Clearly you've spent a lot of time listening to this album and even though it's not that old have you discovered anything new about the album since that first listen and has it taken on kind of any new meanings for you well I think like I said with body bag it's kind of like the whole my life my decision and the album as a whole just in terms of its lyrics it's kind of like a really painfully honest look at depression and kind of like you can hear it's about someone who's going through a really terrible struggle with their mental health. And when I first heard this record, like, last summer, I was just in, like, a total rut. It was some of the worst depression in my life. And, like, that's okay. It happens. It's just, like, it was just a really shitty time, and hearing this record was... It was a really good tool for self-reflection because it was one of those... I know this is, like, really cheesy to say, but it was one of those, <laughs> oh, like, they put into words what I couldn't, you right. know? And... So not only was the music right up my alley, but the record really hit me just on so many levels. That's kind of like the ultimate goal for any artist, right? You know, to create something that resonates with someone who, you know, consumes it. So I felt that was disgusting. And I still kind of feel the same way. I mean, I'm mentally in a much better place now, but it still was like such an important time. And like I said, it was a tool for self-reflection. And I know what it's like to treat music as a commodity, like, that's kind of my job. I work with publicity, kind of in the music space, so I know what it's like, you know, to market and sell and brand a track and to kind of be like, you treat it as a, a good instead of something that you really are passionate about. Right. And what I thought was really ironic is the company I work for right now, Total Assault, they worked at Beartooth, uh, I think it was last year. It's like on like our past clients roster. And so, obviously, like, you think I'd be stoked, being like, oh, my God, like, I hope we get to work with Beartooth again. But I'm kind of glad that I haven't been able to work with them through, like, work or anything, just because, I don't know, it's kind of like this weird separation of church and state, <laughs> which is, I don't know, I feel like it's a strange no, it's way to phrase true. it. But I, I hope you get the gist, because it keeps the record as, like, something very personal and sentimental to me, as opposed to, like oh, I have to push this as, like, a record, and I have to care, or as a, as a good, and I have to care about the numbers, and it's just, you know, it, I, I feel like it stayed very personal to me, which is great to help me not get burnt out on something that I love, you know? 
Yeah, and I think what you're saying is really important, you know, saying that obviously a lot of different artists and bands write about, you know, mental health problems and stuff, but if anyone who has actually suffered from depression, um, those times are so deep and so awful that anything that you can kind of latch onto or feel understood um, is really, really just, it makes such a big difference. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense if you were going through a time like that to find an album or find a song where you were able to kind of latch on and find, you know, healing or whatever it was that you needed at the time. So I think that's really important. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I just have a quick follow-up question. It's kind of more for me and Caitlin since we both weren't really into this album, but is if this came out in like 2007, kind of MySpace era, do you think you would have listened to it, Caitlin? Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that because, I mean, the really, the only other band that I really got into that I could compare to them would be kind of like Chiodos, I guess. Right. Um, and I, list, I was listening to Chiodos really big time, like 2005, 2006, when uh, All Swell That Ends Well came out. And I was very, I was young, you know, I, it was some of the, you know, one of the first shows I ever went to was seeing Chiodos at the door in Dallas with, like, hardly anyone was there. And I don't know, I, I... I don't know if I would have or not. Um, I feel like Chiodos was kind of like a weird exception for me because I'm, at that time even, I was like a total softy. Um, I really wasn't <laughs> listening. I wasn't listening to like much hardcore screamo or anything like that. Um, my boyfriend at the time was really into that kind of music. So Chiodos was kind of like my compromise. Um, so I, musically, maybe. Right. Um, but I really, I don't see it. Uh, I probably would not have discovered it on my own at that time. Yeah, I think so. it's the same thing for me. Like, Chiodos might be the closest band to this that I've listened to yeah. in a very long time. And I and have I, not I listened to them Chiodos. in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I I, you know, I was kind of surprised to see that it was such a recent album and that I really hadn't heard of them. I kind of, you yeah. know, I pride myself in knowing what's up and what's going on. And I was like, oh, I'd. I don't actually know all the things that are going on. Yeah, Yeah, there is. It's a lot of music and not enough time. But so it was kind of cool to check something else out that's going on. And I mean, I'm I'm at the point where I'm like really picky. About to be 27, and I hate everything. So (laughs) I'm just like jaded on life, and I'm very picky about what I'm listening to. Half of what I'm listening to came out in like 2002. So I'm just I'm I'm in that place place right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people felt the same way, like, oh, I hadn't heard of Beartooth, and then I, you know, for example, I saw them at Warp Tour waiting for another band, or my friend made me listen to the record, right. and then I, most people that I, I hear say those things followed up with, and it was really good, which is cool, because I'm a fan, so I'm like, yes, like, one of us, one of us, like, really <laughs> yeah. exciting. Well, um, I've actually heard of them, they'll probably start popping up everywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's happens. My, yeah, I mean... Um, Go ahead. I heard of them last summer when I mentioned I took my friends up to Warp Tour. That they were like so excited about it, and they were like, "We need to find their merch tent. We need to find their merch tent." I was like, "All right, I'm gonna be over here," because <laughs> I had no clue who they were, like what kind of music they were. So I was just like, "All right, I'm gonna go do my thing. You guys have fun with that. Enjoy." <laughs> And I just, for whatever reason, I never, like, went back, remembered to go back and check them out until you had picked this album. Because I'd literally, I was like, I have no clue what genre they are. I don't know. Uh They're at Warp Tour. I might like them. I might not. Because that's how I feel about half of Warp Tour. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But, yeah, it was definitely good to pick something that both Caitlin and I weren't really familiar with. 
Yeah, I guess I pushed you outside your comfort zones a little bit. Pushed you into the pit, so to speak. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I will, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that credit. <laughs> Put me outside my comfort zone, which doesn't happen often. I, I think I did. I think especially after, you know, an iconic emo album last week, I think this is kind of not like the polar opposite, but definitely a further end of the spectrum than we were both, than we're all used to, so... Yeah, right. It's a good thing. Not a little bad. variety. A little scene kidness never hurt anybody. For yeah. sure. So, so we want to... Oh, yes. Yep. That's All exactly right. yep. what yep. I was going to yep. say. Yep. Caitlin yep. and I Moving are reading each other's articles. minds today. <laughs> 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 so I just want to start off with the uh, On Being a Female Music Journalist article that was posted on the LA Music blog in July. I know we're a little behind on articles, <laughs> but this one is by Mary Bonnie, and I just wanted to read a quick quote from it. Um, so she's discussing uh, being at a show and, you know, having a guy grab her and kind of move her out of the photo press pit area. And the quote is here, security offered to kick him out, but we were already causing a scene in the front row of a very intimate concert. And what would have been the point? If we don't challenge this culture of how women are treated, whether at shows or outside venues, people like him aren't going to realize what they're doing is wrong and nothing will change. And this was a pretty good article, but I thought this was kind of one of the faults of it. If security was offering a solution you would think she would want to take it because um, she's trying to make the point that guys kind of don't know what no means and there aren't any consequences to their actions. But security offered to kick him out and she told them no. So he basically was able to do whatever he wanted and stay at the show. And I think that security did the proper thing by offering to kick him out and they should have. But yeah. for whatever reason, she didn't want to do that. It's like you she had let already, him get away with it, right? You had already yeah. caused a scene. Why not just remove him? And there yeah. would be and no I more mean, scene. It sounded like a pretty like violent and aggressive confrontation. She said she was violently shoved. Um, you know, the guy you know called her a bitch. Um, you know, like screaming at her confrontationally. She had fans kind of like coming to her rescue, kind of thing. Yeah. So I was really confused, like. It's like, yes, they offered to kick him out, so go for it. If we're going to cultivate this culture of respect that she's talking about, make a fucking scene. Yeah. <laughs> he got I mean, away with it. That's what, like... He did. And, like, okay, like, yes, people get away with stuff. Not that I think they should get away with stuff, but this was an opportunity she had. I mean, I also kind of want to bring this up, not, like, in her defense, but just as an alternative viewpoint. Like, this kind of raises a concern of mine that people... It doesn't have to be just women. People who are caught in these confrontational situations like someone's yelling at you you didn't do anything wrong or whatever like even if you're like like in line at the grocery store and there's 15 people behind you and you suddenly can't find your debit card and like you're holding up the whole line you just kind of freeze and panic and want to do whatever it is to just get out of there right some people just kind of like get paralyzed with fear and they just right. don't want to do anything and they just want to shut it down and like avert or divert attention. Ever, I can do words really well, guys. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. I went to college. I just, um, I just think in this specific instance, like someone offered to help her. Exactly. And she didn't take it. Usually, you know what you oh, were yes, saying yes, when you're standing please. in the grocery line. No one's offering to help you dig something out of your bag or purse <laughs> or whatever. And you probably wouldn't want them to either. Yeah, I just hate that this guy kind of like got away with it and 
didn't learn a lesson. He didn't get any consequence. Like, nothing. Like, this guy, basically, what what I believe he got from the situation is, yeah, I mean, security's going to yell at me a little bit, but nothing's actually going to happen, so who fucking right. cares? And I'm and like, I care. That's what people are going to think in the future, too. Oh, they're just going to, you know, glare at me or yell at me, and then I'll just go back to doing whatever I was doing. Yeah, that paragraph, I mean, it is just, like, a really bizarre paragraph. I really like everything she's saying leading up to that, right. you know, her personal experience and kind of the, you know, the path of her career and what she was doing, and it just, and then all of a sudden it's that. What would have been the point? Well, the point would have been that he would have realized he did something wrong and was punished. Right, and it just makes a point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The point would have been to be like, that was wrong. And I think That's the point. even just, like, writing about this isn't going to do anything. I think right. it would have been more effective had she said yes and then written this article. Right. So it would, like, basically let everyone know that, hey, if you do this, people are going to speak up and security is going to do something about it. Right. So just, le- like, keep your hands to yourself kind of thing and let everyone else enjoy the show. Yeah, it was exactly. just a very bizarre. That sentence yeah, caught me off guard. Strange. I was like, "Did she yeah. mean to say that?" Yeah, yeah. Well, and then I kept reading, and I was like, typo. "Oh, she actually said no." And then yeah. I was kind of like, "But why?" <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a, it's a weird. It's not how I expected that situation to go. Like, I guess I understand why she said no, but at the same time, I really wish she didn't. Because, like I said, he kind of just like gets away scot free and like. Yeah, especially no. that it's someone who is a, you know, a photographer, not, you so know, it's not, shows. it's not, yeah, it's not like security or some like rowdy crazy fan or something like it's a someone from the press, which makes it even worse to me that, you know, I feel like for the most part, press is pretty well behaved and mm-hmm. it's more the crowd and the security that you usually have to worry about. So it's just a bizarre situation in general and just a very bizarre explanation of how it happened. And I definitely, I think a missed opportunity, um, for, you know, putting a situation into a totally different light. And I'm sure even if she had asked him to leave, she still would have been upset and still would have been shaken and it ruined, ruined her night and that kind of thing because we've all been there. But, yeah, just very, very odd situation. Right. I don't understand. Yeah, so another thing I noticed that was kind of either in both articles or kind of implied in both articles is this idea of music culture. And Mm -hmm. to me, when I think of culture, I think of, you know, like other countries, cultures and that sort of thing. Like I have a ton of friends who are Filipino and they have, you know, their traditional dances, food and that sort of stuff. And that's kind of like what I think of when I think of the word culture. But here I feel like it's kind of doing a disservice to the word because just because you listen to music doesn't mean necessarily that we all believe in the same exact things or kind of have the same values to me it just kind of means you know hey we like the same music but that doesn't mean we're all kind of part of this bigger culture and I was just wondering if you guys felt the same or somewhat differently about this term in specific yeah I think I think the word is being used improperly really um it's more I think what we're talking about when we talk about music culture is more like music faux pas or like bad habits within the music industry. It's more habits than anything else because the definition of a culture, I mean, it's the beliefs, customs, 
arts of a particular group. Right. Um, so it's, if the whole group doesn't hold it, then it's not a culture. But I think that because of the transparency that we have right now and all of the articles that people are, you know, deciding to write and taking a stand and being upset, that it does seem like it's more prevalent. Um, it's definitely, you know, it's not every band or every security guard or every mosh pit that you're in is dangerous or scary or is going to assault you. But right now, because that's what we're talking about, I think it feels that way to a lot of people. When in reality, I think if you're someone who goes to shows a lot, you know that's not the case, that there are times where you're safe and you're happy and things go off without a hitch and there's no incident. So I think it's really just, it's a word that, I guess it's a hyperbole. Um, It's being played up into something that it's not. Yeah, and I think it's mainly directed at, you know, specific genres. Like, most of these articles aren't really talking about, like, pop music or, like, Taylor Swift shows or that sort of thing. I know the Salon one did mention country music briefly, but that's, like, a whole other world for most people. Yeah, and the the Salon article we're uh, mentioning was linked to the original LA Music blog article about being a female music journalist and basically chronicles um, a lot of different instances of violence that different women have experienced at different shows. So, you know, we had discussed that the article was kind of what we see a lot of, that this happened, this happened, this happened, and then there's not really a resolution of here's what should have happened instead or here's what we did and here's how we kind of fought back or anything like that. So the article is important in that we're sharing those stories, but, again, not exactly helpful. Well, one thing in the Salon article that I think was a good, like, you know, point that really stuck with me is kind of towards the end, um, this is just a quote, uh, Amy says, at this point, it is difficult to ignore that there are serious cultural, again, the word culture, <laughs> uh, serious cultural issues when it comes to the world of live music, but who exactly is it, res- who exactly is responsible? And she goes on to be right. like, oh, is it the concert venues? Is it the artists? Is it the fans? Is it, you know, security? Is it whoever? And it's a good, like, you know, discussion point of who in this, you know, I guess community, who in this, you know, society of showgoers, I, I, you know. Right. Personally, I think <laughs> it's whoever commits the offense. <laughs> like, I agree. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. think you can really I, blame, like, a promoter for something that happens. Well, in this one, she says you it's, know. Um, Amy says that it's the artists who have the most responsibility and the greatest ability and ensure that the environment their music cultivates is not inherently aggressive toward women. I think that would be inherently aggressive in general, and I feel like that came up last year with the whole Joyce Manor stage diving incidents and how they really Mm -hmm. stood up for that. But I think, I mean, an artist can only say so much, and unless fans and whoever are following them blindly, they're still going to behave how they want to behave. Right. Well, I think... Go ahead. I think just, like... That's a totally valid point, and I do agree with you, but I do also agree with that the artists carry the greatest amount of responsibility because, I mean, would any of this really exist without artists? The fans wouldn't be there if there wasn't an artist they were really excited about. So if the fans or if the artists keep, you know, instilling this message of, you know, whatever they want to believe, hopefully it's, like, not some, you know, anti-feminist bullshit, then the fans are hopefully going to listen to that, especially if it's a repetitive thing that the artist says, like, a lot, multiple tours, like, a general message is just, like, a part of who they are, like, their brand, I guess, I almost want to say. But, yeah, I think that the artist definitely holds a 
a much larger portion of responsibility than everybody else. And not to let, you know, a security guard or a shitty press person off the hook, but I think that an artist instilling upon fans is really crucial because, like I said, this whole industry wouldn't exist if it wasn't for really, really devoted fans. And hopefully that's something that we can start grassroots, you know? So once the young fans grow up learning, like, oh, this band believes, like, if someone falls, pick them up. Or if you see a guy being shitty to a girl, say something. Or if you see a girl being shitty to a guy, say something. It's not just about being shitty to women. Just don't be shitty. And yeah, do it's it. a two-way <laughs> street. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I agree. And I feel like a lot of what she talks about, it's a lot of um, alcohol-related incidences. I think that yeah. definitely plays a big role, too. Because once people are drunk, I mean, you know that... They're not going to listen. They're They're not. not They're not going to be rational. There's no. I mean, it doesn't excuse their behavior, but you know that there's at some point there's no going back from where you are in an inebriated state. So once someone's belligerent, they're going to be belligerent. Um, So it can be definitely. I don't know. Yeah, there are just so many facets to. And each situation is different too. So that's like a whole nother layer to all of this. Yeah, Yeah. I think the artists are definitely, like, the place to start when it comes to, like, getting the word out, having a safer environment and that sort of thing. The only thing is, like, when an artist is up on stage performing, all the lights are on them, not on the fans. So They don't know what's happening. Yeah, sometimes they can't see what exactly is going on in the crowd, especially if everyone is sandwiched together. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's obviously a little different at something like Warp Tour. I know when I went to one a few years ago, I don't remember exactly who I was watching, but I was, like, way off in the back, kind of just hanging out. And they stopped their set because someone was, like, getting beat up in the mosh pit. Yep. And all of a sudden, you just see, like, the crowd parting for security to come take the guy away who was yep. beating someone up. I see that happen, too. Yeah. Yeah. I've and I that think that's too, definitely, like, it... a positive way to go about it. Yeah. And I Even think that's it... easier to do when it's bright outside. Like, right. Like, most of yeah, the time I've the seen thing. that, it's... We can see it happening, but I mean, even, you know, I was, um, an incident, we had an incident in Austin, um, a couple months ago, Jeff Rosenstock came through to play a show. And I a girl was just going to say this. Yeah. Well, a girl was assaulted and it was a small show. Um, it was maybe 50 or 60 people. It was in a small room. It wasn't particularly dark right. and he never knew that it happened. Um, no one really like let him know or brought it to his attention or anything. Not that you know, that's their job. But, you know, he didn't see it happen. He was playing a show. And when he found out after it happened, shit hit the fan. And he was just here last week and brought it up again and just, you know, made it a point that, you know, he he really hopes those guys weren't there and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I really it was important for me for him to bring it up again. But it was kind of that idea that even if it's small and an intimate kind of thing, it can still happen. Um, right, and you can't expect the artist to be the one who has to watch out for these things. That's right. why there's security at shows yeah. and everything. But when you're outside, like you right. said, it's obviously it's very easier different. to see. And you're kind of like, I feel like sometimes outside you're more engaging with the fans because you can yeah. see them, you can talk to them. And, that and you can tell when you know stuff is going on or when something's not right for the yeah, most definitely. part. The crowd looks different when you can see that happening. Right, especially when you mm-hmm. see a gap open up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Then you can yeah. kind of see that area a little better. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So do we want to move on to um, all the stuff that's been going on on Jessica Hopper's Twitter timeline? Yes! Yeah, okay. I think it's a good segue. Yeah, I, yeah, and I mean, 
it was great. If you guys don't know, Jessica Hopper is a writer for Pitchfork and was involved in the original Riot Girl kind of scene. She had some good and bad connections and experiences with that. But she recently posed the question of um, gals, marginalized folks, what was your first brush in music industry journalism scene with the idea that you didn't count? Um, And the number of responses that she received was unbelievable and overwhelming and I think it shocked a lot of people she started retweeting um, a lot of the negative experiences people had and they you know it was anything from fans being abused to people in the media and the press or um, you know experiences in their jobs that some of them were absolutely horrible and some of them were kind of the standard thing that we hear but there was all sorts of experiences um, and it was all over um, people were were retweeting like crazy, and there was a lot of negative stuff happening. Yeah, um, I could hardly keep up. There was yeah. so much stuff. I was and like, I, okay. I, I responded. You know, I had a little bit of a hard time reading it. Um, I have had incidences like this that have happened twice in the past year. Um, so I shared my experience of being a photographer at Fun 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 Fest in Austin um, and how, you know, I had my camera bag down on the ground I've shot this festival before. It wasn't like a new thing. I had my camera bag on the ground um, with my photo pass on it, like most people do if they're not wearing it. And it was hot. I didn't want to have anything on around my neck anyway. And I was the only person that the security guard questioned about whether I should be there or not. Um, And I was the only female in the pit. And it just, it made me so enraged that I I left. Um, I was just so mad. I ended up leaving maybe a song after that. Um, so that, that was my most recent experience with that. So I definitely felt like I could jump in and share, um, because there was a lot of similar stories like that. Yeah. This was like better networking than South by Southwest, like crazy. Cause people went off on this tweet, like in a good way, yeah. like completely great way. I'm looking at the tweet right now. There have been, this is posted on the 24th of August. It's currently August 30th. Uh, 360 retweets, 540 favorites, and it doesn't tell me how many replies, but there's been a fuck ton of replies, which is great, because people are sharing, like, all this terrible stuff that happened, which kind of, like, the way I say that makes it sound really bad, but it's kind of almost like we're all in this together type thing. Yeah, it's like she wants to give people a platform to get their stories out and then with her retweeting them obviously a lot more people will be able to see them read them and kind of understand better what's happening because nope. not everyone yeah are music nerds like us who pay attention to what's right. happening every single day practically. it was an amazing awareness platform like I tweeted her, like, six things. I was like, let me rant to you. Let me vent to you, Jessica Hopper. (laughs) Like, all of these things. You know, she said, like, look at all this horrible stuff that I'm retweeting. You guys can't even imagine the kind of DMs I'm getting. People were direct messaging her with their stories, too, that they didn't feel comfortable sharing. So I thought that was kind of impressive also. But one of my favorite tweets that was kind of in reference to this that I think Jessica retweeted was, imagine what music would be like if we didn't make young women jump through such demeaning hoops to show they belong here. Uh, I think that's really important. Um, And obviously, I'm sure it's better now than it was in the past, especially that it's being talked about and people are um, probably more aggressive in the way I I at least am more aggressive. If I'm tweeted or tweeted, if I'm tweeted poorly, (laughs) (laughs) if I'm treated poorly, I'm going to say something about it. Um, And that probably wasn't always the case. So. But it is true. You you feel like you have hoops you have to jump through. Um, In December, I was uh, working with a photographer at the um, 
What was the show at Webster Hall with the Wonder Years? Glamour Kills. GK Fest. I walked in early to go do some photography work, and the very first thing a guy said to us was, girlfriends aren't allowed in here. And Uh. it just made me, we were like, are you fucking kidding us? So that, you know, it was, it's little things like that that are infuriating. You know, he didn't touch us, he didn't abuse us, but, I mean, he... Um, yeah, it's a microaggression. He exactly. immediately assumed that we were just there to be in the way because we were someone's girlfriend and we were there to work. Um, so, it, I mean, it happens on so many different levels, and it does. It makes you feel like shit. Uh, it makes you not want to be there. And it's, I mean, it's irrit- it ruins your night and it ruins your time. Um, so it is a really big bummer. But she turned she turned it around a little bit later. Yes, she um, did. And it was awesome. She tweeted again, women in music, what accomplishment in music industry, journalism, the scene are you most proud of? Um, and I I don't know if, I, if you are on Twitter right now, Ashley, if you can see if the, that got more retweets and likes or anything it like that. But it's also been up three less days. It's That's at true. 122 retweets and 192 favorites. And again, okay. like just like those numbers while like impressive for a tweet, like it's not just like based upon what those specific numbers right, say. The it's responses. Kind of like, right. Well, that doesn't even include the entire the responses. Yeah. 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 The, the responses were awesome because it was just like women saying like cool shit that they've done, starting um, labels and starting zines and running publications and all sorts of stuff. So it was really it was so negative and just so sad to read all of those hard stories and stuff like that. And then to turn it around and put a positive spin on it, I think it's really important because I don't think enough of that is happening right now. My favorite tweets were the ones that were like, um, I can't, I can't find it right now, but it was someone, a girl who said, Oh, this, uh, the, the tour manager, uh, was making fun of me being like, Oh, you can't break down the gear. Like a guy will get it for you. And, she, like, breaks down the whole drum kit in two minutes flat, and he apologizes. So I'm just like, oh, yes, girl, get it. Like, yeah, I like that, too, because I also know how to very much and very quickly break down a drum set. Yeah, I was interning at my first uh, internship in college was with a, my first summer internship was with a uh, festival. It's in Connecticut. It's called Gathering of the Vibes, and it's it's like a giant hippie festival. It's very Grateful Dead-based, and that's obviously really really far removed from my scene but it was a good experience so i was helping um like someone bring gear somewhere and i was wearing like it's really hot out to the middle of the summer and it's in a beautiful park in connecticut which is on the water but it's still really hot so i was wearing a dress and i was wearing like under armor shorts underneath it and i was wearing like heavy like work boots because i had to hike all over the site and I'm, like, I go to, like, pick up somebody's gear, and he's, like, oh, no, 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 sweet, don't worry about it, like, don't ruffle your dress. And I was, like, <clears throat> I, like pulled up my dress, and I showed up the shorts, and I'm, like, I'm here to work. I just picked up his, his shit and went away. I was, like, bye. <laughs> I'm here to work. It's true. Yep. That's, that's a great response, though. Like, I'm here to work. I'm here to fucking work. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. like, the number of times, like... Just in general, any girl who's there, even if she just wants to hang out with the band, like if it's someone you know or whatever, it's like, girlfriends aren't allowed backstage. And I'm like, would you say yeah. the same thing to the boyfriend? Like, no, I don't... Does not it, at all. It, uh, it really bothers me. Like, a girl can't be anywhere at a show without being the merch girl or being the girlfriend. Like, those, those yeah. are the only two roles you can be. Sorry. Sorry, Which ladies. is insane at this point because I feel like so many people I know that are in this industry, it's becoming more and more women. 
Um, yeah. I work with so many female writers now on Absolute Punk. Um, I know so many female photographers who are show photographers. Some of the most successful ones I know are women. Um, we have, you know, a lot of women here in Austin who work in our um, promotions um, and some of our really big promotions companies and venue um, venue management. Like, I, it's, I don't know why people are still shocked or surprised. Yeah, speaking of Absolute Punk, I think Jason Tate, who, for those of you who don't know, he basically started Absolute Punk and still runs it now. I'm pretty sure he, like, tweeted out, hey, go read Jessica Hopper's timeline. If you do anything today, make it that. And I know a lot of guys that I'm familiar with or friends with in the industry were tweeting out about what she was doing that day. And I think that's definitely a big step forward, too, is having – guys supporting this as well and there were a lot of guys who were responding who were like wow like i knew it was bad but i didn't know it was this bad and yeah exactly personally i haven't had any issues like this i don't know if it's maybe because i usually have the band or a manager come get me yeah and then take me inside just because you know i don't know where the band's gonna be or whatever um but i'm one of the ones who are very lucky to have not had this happen basically And it's really a shame that it happens to so many people that finding people it doesn't happen to is much more rare. Yeah, and I think what was also really important is I I feel like you get from dudes a lot like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't happen that often. But I think having her retweet so many of those stories was maybe kind of a slap in the face that – it is a big deal. We are angry. We have a right to be angry because look at what happens to us. It's yeah, not, it you know, it's not the one girl you hear complaining about it. Now it's a whole, like, huge, mass amount of tweets coming. And, I mean, she didn't even retweet all of them. Um, but I, I think I think for a lot of what I saw, it was just kind of surprising. But, you know, going back to Absolute Punk, you know, Jason Tate's a really big supporter of um, feminism and music and all that kind of stuff and really getting the word out and being supportive. And the rest of the Absolute Punk staff is the same way. Like, I've been very, very impressed. We've gotten a lot of new staff recently, and they're always willing to help. And they don't, you know, they want to make it change, and they want it to be better. Um, So those, those guys are out there. Um, And I think that's another positive is that it kind of reminds you, you know, the guys who are tweeting in response to it or who are sharing uh, the stories that we do have those allies out there. Um, We just need more of them. Yeah, for sure. I remember even um, Jesse Richmond, when he wrote his final piece for uh, R.I.P.O.Z. Yeah, yeah, he wrote, um, there's a great little paragraph in there that just was like, oh, Jesse, you're the greatest. Mm -hmm. It was basically like, shout out to all the women who have been a part of P.O.Z., um, yeah, over and the all course three of us were listed in that, plus <laughs> yes! else. Yes! Oh my god, yeah. it was so sweet. He, like, linked to the podcast and everything. Um, yeah. But he's like, there have been, like, a great number of women on the POZ team. This is how it should be. If you think that having this many women on is, like, an exception, or, you know, trying to, to you know, be give, give someone else special treatment like you're wrong this is how it should be again i'm not reading this verbatim and i'll link it in the show notes but i think pointing that out was fantastic because obviously i met you two through poz mm-hmm, i met right. a ton of amazing people through poz especially like just the badass girls who are out there getting stuff done like mesa with photography like Allie. i yeah yeah so many people so many great women emerged from like the depths of blogs, I guess. <laughs> and I think supporting that and making it like making that statement, like this is how your team should be. It shouldn't be like 
an exception. It shouldn't be seen as weird. Like, this is how it should be. I was like, yes, Jesse. It's true. And, you know, we we have all been lucky that we've been given chances to do this as females when that's not always the case. Oh, yeah. But that's what I loved about reading those stories is that all those girls and these women who they were not given the chance that they just went out and did it on their own which I think is really important too, that just because you're kind of, you feel like you're being held back or you're, you're not getting what you need, then go do it. Go take care of it yourself and start whatever you want. And, you know, maybe you're not getting the traffic that, you know, whatever dumb blog is getting, but at least you're doing something. Yeah. If they don't give you respect, just take it. Yeah. Right. I think we definitely have to give Jason and Zach a lot of credit because they didn't just choose to only have guys write for their site and whatnot they found women who could speak about things and they chose people who were talented they right they they, they were talented and they could speak about things in a way that would represent the site and everything both of those sites kind of have stood for over the last several years for sure i agree all right, so we're going to go ahead and move on to our recommendations to close out this episode, although I'm sure it will take a little while because we all have quite a few things for you guys <laughs> to check out. So uh, kind of going off of everything we've been talking about, the New York Times Magazine recently had a post titled <coughs> The Meaning of Serena Williams, and this was a very good example of how this isn't only a problem in the music industry. It's there's like a women problem in every industry, tech, sports, music, you name it. There's probably some sort of problem. And this was a really good piece on kind of like how Serena Williams became the great player she is today and kind of what she's had to fight through, all the criticism and people saying uh, things about her to kind of put her down and make her accomplishments seem lesser than any man's accomplishments on the tennis court and that sort of thing. So it's not super long of a piece, but it's definitely a good read. And we will be linking to all of these recommendations in the show notes as we did last episode. So I would definitely recommend checking that out, especially if you listen to this podcast and kind of know there's a women problem in more than just the music industry. Uh, another recommendation, I have been binge-watching House of Cards since Tuesday, I believe, and I'm all but seven episodes done with the entire thing. <laughs> so I've been busy watching that, and it is great. Everyone should watch it. Zach Zarillo actually yelled at me for not having watched it already. So <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. And <laughs> our dear friend James Kassar, who is part of the Modern Vinyl podcast and has his label Near Mint. They have a band, The Obsessives, who will be releasing an album September 18th, I believe it is, and I've had a chance to check that out. It is awesome. They have a video out now for their song Camping, which you guys should check that out and get a taste of what the album's going to be like. And my last recommendation for this episode is On Writing by Stephen King. It's basically, it's not really an autobiography or anything, but it is about how he got into writing and kind of got his career started, how poor he was before his first big book, which was Carrie, kind of caught on and he got a huge advance and was able to keep going. 
with that. And I have no clue how many books this man has written, but it's a lot. And I don't know if either of you, Ashley and Caitlin, are Stephen King fans, but... I have never read one, and I am an avid reader. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even if you aren't a Stephen King fan, I think this is a really good book to read for anyone who wants to write, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, or anything. It just kind of shows how ruthless you have to be to keep going, even though you might not like what you write, but that doesn't mean other people won't. So those are my recommendations for this week. Ashley, do you want to go ahead and do yours? Sure. Uh, My first recommendation is if you haven't looked at Jessica Hopper's timeline, go read Jessica Hopper's timeline. (laughs) It was just, it's just so important, really worth your time. And they're tweets. They're really short, like bits of information. Just skim it. Really important. Um, I recently started writing for a new site. It's called 36vultures at 36vultures.net. Shameless plug. Totally go <laughs> check it out. Um, I, As I, you know from the intro episode, I used to run the showcase feature over on Property of Zach, and I'm helping with a similar feature at 36vultures. It's called Press Play, and, you know, showcasing up-and-coming local artists who might not normally get covered by, you know, the alt-presses of the world than... Uh, Definitely, please, please, please submit to Press Play because that's those are the artists we want to showcase. Um, I've been listening to For Your Strong self-titled record a lot. I'm just, I'm really into it. I was, like, unsure about it in the beginning, and then it really grew on me, so that. Um, this amazing album, it's called Houses, Gardens by a band called Worries. They're from Pennsylvania. It's like, it's like how I see modern baseball playing songs once they graduate from college. If they graduate <laughs> from college. <laughs> no offense, um, modern baseball. <laughs> no offense, modern baseball. That was one of the first things, like, I got to meet them in December when they played in Connecticut. And I was just like, yeah, like, I just graduated from college. And I think it was Brandon. He's like, hey, guys, this girl graduated from college. What a foreign concept to us. <laughs> <laughs> And then lastly, um, my dear friend Ashley, obviously a different Ashley, she just put out a brand new EP with her band. Their band is called Begin Again, and the EP is called Everything is Changing. It's on Bandcamp right now. It's for a dollar because they ran out of free downloads so fast, so hopefully next month they'll have more free downloads for you. But just go to Begin Again. I think it's Begin Again Band? Please tell me. Beginagainband.bandcamp.com. Check it out. Ashley's the sweetest. I fucking love her. Um, And that's about it. I'll pass it off to Caitlin now. All right. So this week, well, this past couple of weeks, I have been listening to Piebald's We Are the Only Friends We Have. This came out in 2002. So like I said, I'm a little stuck in the past right now. I DJed um, Austin's uh, pop punk emo night uh, a couple weeks ago, and I played um, American Hearts from that album, and I just forgot how much I fucking love it. (laughs) album is so good, and it is just like quintessential kind of like late kind of emo kind of little pop punkish so freaking good and i just i can't stop listening to it i very rarely kind of put songs or albums on repeat and i've been doing that for the past three weeks with this album i'm constantly searching for it on vinyl so if anyone has any leads or wants to hit me up please do so uh besides that i uh, i've also been listening as of today 
um, Ben Queller's self-titled because I found it on vinyl this afternoon. So excited. I was just like unreal. I had a horrible first week back at work. So to find this vinyl um, or this on vinyl at our local record store was absolutely thrilling and totally made my day. Um, Besides music, uh, I checked out Tig Notaro's HBO special. It's called Boyish Girl Interrupted. She's awesome. I always forget how cool she is. Um, I really love how she talks about her battle with cancer and really embraces her double mastectomy. She ended up taking her shirt off and performing the whole set, or the last half of her set topless on the special. And she's just cool. She's a cool person, and she's funny and has such... Yeah, it, very good. Boyish girl interrupted, um, and because she—I mean, you look at her, and she is definitely has a lot of male features, and she's just she's freaking hilarious. She's a very cool person. Um, another kind of happened today kind of thing. Oliver Sacks, who's a very famous author, died today of cancer, um, and he his probably most well known book is The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. And I first read this book in ninth grade, um, so I've decided I'm going to reread this book. It's kind of one of the first books that really got me into psychology. Oliver Sacks was a psychologist and um, discussed a lot of, in his books about how music and the brain really work together. Um, and I've always found that very interesting. And so, you know, in my future career path, I'm looking to get into psychology and stuff, and I think a lot of it is thanks to him. So it's very sad to hear that he passed. Um, but besides that, you know, same old, same old, but definitely check out the Piebald album if you haven't. You will not regret it. Um, but that pretty much wraps up our episode for this week. We really appreciate you guys checking in with us. Um, we are officially available on iTunes. Um, so definitely find us there. Um, we've also got social media going. We have a Twitter account, Misaligned Pod. Um, misaligned with two S's so definitely tweet us ask us any questions if you've got anything we should check out or articles you think we'd be interested in please let us know Um, you can also shoot us an email at misalignedpod at gmail.com and we will get back to you as soon as you can. So if you have anything you're not uh, you're not real comfortable tweeting or you can't do it in 140 characters, hit us up there. And we just want to say thanks to Minor and Modern Vinyl for um, doing this with us. And I uh, hope you guys have a great week and we'll hit you up soon.